So I want to talk about the Big Techs Awards, which for those of you out there who don't know this, this weekend is the Texas-Oklahoma game, which is always takes place at the Cotton Bowl and during the Texas State Fair every year, which is several weeks long and includes many things that are, you know, just so stereotypically Texas, like pig races and lots of country music bands playing and all kinds of other stuff. But they also have just an endless display of mostly fried foods, but just kind of over-the-top hilarious foods. Some of them are sweet, some are savory, and it's a lot of fun to pay attention to. And every year they have new entrants into this with something called the Big Tex Awards. And I got a chance to go to the Texas-Oklahoma game back in 2016. Highly recommend it for anybody who is a fan of college football. It was just an amazing experience. College game day will be there this week. But they have all these people who put in these entrants for the foods. Some of them, again, are like sweet. Some of them are like salty and fried or whatever. And the list is just amazing. Like, I just want to transport myself to Dallas to try all of these things because even the ones that don't win end up being at a lot of the vendors. But I want to talk about the ones that did win. So under the best taste savory category was deep fried pho, as in P-H-O, the Asian food, which I initially was not grasping the core concept of this. Like, pho is a soup with noodles. Mm -hmm. How is it going to be a fried delicacy? Uh, Yeah. But yeah, it looks like an egg roll. It's like a tortilla where the like noodles and stuff are and uh, broth are like stuffed in there. And now I'm pretty into it. Like if you look at the pictures, I'm into it. You know, I uh, spent some time earlier in, in anticipation of this looking through some of the stuff. And um, I don't know. I mean, like I obviously can't taste it. But uh, just based on appearance, I this is like looking at the finalists for the savory category this was my this would be my number five just anticipating mm. i don't know justice for loaded fries pizza i really feel mm-hmm. like that should have won it's one of those things that it's like the oscars you know mm. like there's this like consensus that something wins but like almost everybody is kind of like oh no i like these other things as well like deep fried cheesy crab tater bites i mean yeah, that just sounds incredible how would you not order that as an appetizer at whatever restaurant you're at? Like, you know, even if you went fine dining, I feel like I'd want an order of that to start. Absolutely. Also, turkey ribs? No, 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 no. It's turkey that's... ribs with an exclamation point. Oh, that's true. There is. Sorry, I, I said it with a Turkey ribs. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't really, I don't really get that. But uh, the, what, the one that I, you know, obviously the loaded fries pizza sounds great. And actually, my favorite part of that is when you look at the website with the submissions, it says like by who submitted it. And this one says loaded fries pizza by the Tom Grace, which I just love that he has like a the like is. Uh, but the excellent soul roll, like an oxtail mm-hmm. spring roll with potatoes, cheese, you know, you got celery and onions and peppers with some hush puppies and a garlic chili sauce. I don't know, man. I'm sure fried pho is good. I like pho. 
but the thing i like about pho is like it's a it's a soup i like that mm. broth and I, dipping a, 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 a pho burrito in it just doesn't seem as appealing yeah they i think they're also going to be a lot of problematic texans coming up and not understanding what that is when they order it there's going to be like oh, what's the sure. piho well what's that about <laughs> yeah um, it's definitely so yeah. enough to make you say what the pho <laughs> somewhere there's also, a Vietnamese restaurant called that <laughs> I mean, mm, yeah there's a shout out to also one that was called the tomato tomato potato potato slider and slider is spelled with a y so mm. just fascinating language play there <laughs> so that was the the savory category then in the sweet category the biscoff delight one uh for best taste and biscoff is like a you know cookie so like one of those cookies you get on a plane, I feel like. Yeah, they're airplane whatever. cookies, yeah. Yeah, so it's like a cheesecake coated with chocolate and then the, some, some of the Bizkoff stuff, which again, I would totally eat that, but looking at some of the other sweets, that one wasn't the one that got my top attention. I feel like the one that's going to get eaten and asked for the most is loaded fireball shot. Like that's just... Ooh custom made for a bunch of texas and oklahoma fans pre-gaming just like down 12 of those before walking in the stadium yeah i wasn't as impressed by the sweet finalists i think i would have gone with this one or the bourbon banana caramel sopapillas that sounds pretty crazy uh that one won for best creativity like it won the most creative submission so it did get a call out yeah, the, the sweet category is lacking. You've got like a cucumber mint lemonade that was one of the submissions. And then the other, there's this sweet Encanto, which is just like a a waffle with fruit on it. And like, I don't know, man, like that's there are toddlers across the country making that right now. <laughs> there are a lot of toddler foods. You definitely got a sense, you know, like. I, th- I think one of the best things that I ate when I was there, which had been around many years, was deep fried Oreos. So those were yeah, just always. pretty amazing. Uh, there was also like a deep fried Reese's peanut butter cup, which was great. The year I w- went, they had, I think the winning sweet submission was called cookie fries, and they were served in like a little fry container like you would get at McDonald's. And those were actually mm-hmm. really underwhelming. Like I thought those were not very good. and. Uh, we got them right at the end because we had extra tickets and we didn't want to eat them. And we ended up like handing them off to somebody and we're like, hey, do you want to try these cookie fries? We're leaving. And then they just looked at us like, why are you giving us food? That's weird. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, there's some good looking stuff on here. Uh, just looking at some of the like new foods, deep fried candy, pecan, bacon, bread pudding. Mm. That was just like, that's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know more about the Fruity Pebble Pickle. That's wild. I don't think that I do. <laughs> Fried like Cacio one... e Pepe? Oh, God. Okay, I've now looked at the Fruity Pebble Pickle. It is a whole dill pickle wrapped in a fruit roll-up and fruit by the foot, coated mm. in Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> Jesus. No. Oh, oh, God, no. That sounds horrific. Oh, God, what have we done? Man. Yeah, some anyway. things we just, there's kind of that, like, uh, what's the, you were too busy trying to figure out if you could that you never asked if you should. 
I think maybe we just need to not not do some of these things. I like this. I'm looking through this, and there's an item just called Steak Bowl. <laughs> yeah, some of them are very minimalist. You know, you got to respect that. It's about the yeah, food, not the that title. Should win, that should win most creative. <laughs> just, I, I'm giving you a hamburger. And you know what? Isn't that bold? You know how normally you eat steak just on a plate? Well, here's a bowl. <laughs> Here it is in a bowl. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. My name is Michael McGraw. I'm here with Michael Shutt. Today is October 2nd and week five is in the books. It's a pretty interesting week five. I don't know. Like it was, uh, we're not going to talk about UVA. First of all, let me just shout that out to all the UVA fans as a blessing that we're not going to talk about them. So you don't have to cringe at that part. So we'll just move on and talk about other things that happened in week five. There were some some pretty good games. I thought the USC Colorado game got real interesting at the end uh, after it looked like USC was just going to run run them out of the building. And then as USC always does, they play with their food, as you like to say, and let them hang around and backdoor cover for the buffs. Yeah, this one, I mean, I think you pointed it out last week, right? Like it just felt like second straight week of a big line for Colorado and uh, had some confidence that they would be able to cover this time around. And uh, here we are. They, they made it great teams cover. Yeah. We'll see if they can kind of like we talked about this going into this sort of uh, two week run for them and their schedule, but this was going to be tough and they're not quite there yet. And they get a good bounce back opportunity next week with Arizona state. That game was a lot of fun to watch just because of the quarterback play. I mean, Shadur yeah. Sanders played great. Caleb Williams played great. And, you know, you could just watch the two of them pick apart defenses all day. Like, I think that would be just super enjoyable. And I'm not somebody who just loves, you know, 100 points being scored a game. But the way that they can just read and manipulate defenses is just so impressive. So I thought that was a really good game. Also. At the early hour, like that noon window, I was really impressed by Kentucky. Just bowled over Florida. The running back had 265 rushing yards. And just like, you never see that in an SEC game where everyone's like, defense, rrr, stop the line of scrimmage. And they just like absolutely mauled Florida up to a paste. So that was uh, that was an interesting game. Yeah, I apologize to Kentucky. I doubted them going into this game. Um, not that I think Florida's all that good, but it just felt to me like Kentucky was one of those teams similar to, to Syracuse where they were four and out, but, and while I saw some stuff online about you, this Kentucky team's four and but they're not ranked the disrespect, but like going into this game, they had beaten ball state, Eastern Kentucky by only 11 Akron and Vanderbilt. Like that's not. You know, that's why early season college football is so difficult because we don't have a good read on some of these teams. So, yes, you're 4-0 and going into this game, but pardon me for not 
you know, thinking that we had learned you were a really great team. And, you know, now you go and you, you dominate Florida and you've got some big games coming up, Georgia, Missouri, Tennessee as your next three matchups. So we'll find out how for real they are. You know, this is a team that I have no issue pulling for. They got a couple of former state guys on their team. Devin Leary, of course, at quarterback. Didn't do a whole lot on Saturday because he didn't need to. The guy that I hate that got away is Demi Sumo Kongbe, the running back, and he hasn't really had a big impact for Kentucky this year. But again, wasn't really needed because Ray Davis was running for 280. So like, but you know, having some former Wolfpackers, like I'll pull for them and, and uh, yeah, go Wildcats. I, I actually little preview of some stuff that I'm sure we'll talk about later, but I like them this week. Mm. Of course, the biggest game of the day was the Iowa Michigan state game, which mm. was just a delight. Iowa does go over 25 points, but does so without their starting quarterback, Kate McNamara, who hurt his leg. This was my favorite piece of information that came out of the game. Iowa, here are their second half possessions. Let me see if you can figure out which one of these was their scoring drive. Uh, One play for three yard, five plays for 43 yards, four plays for negative five yards, three plays for five yards, three plays for zero yards, eight plays for 33 yards. If you guess the 43 yards, the one that has the most yardage, you'd be absolutely wrong. That was an interception. The one that was a scoring (laughs) drive was the one that went backwards. Negative five yards and a field goal. Love that for them. Just perfect. Perfect team. Never change, Iowa. (laughs) They are offensive to watch. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, you see this in like, yes, you went over 25 points, but not in a way that was pretty not in a way where you look at this and have some sort of confidence in the offense you know and like you said Cade McNamara goes down which you get some uh leeway when your starting quarterback goes out and your backup comes in and goes 11 for 27 you know just uh it's it's not pretty but uh, if I had to guess I would guess that Brian Ferentz isn't going to care how pretty it was if he manages to keep his job but he's got some he's still got some work to do. <laughs> he definitely has some work to do, but I will say he's got the he's got Iowa looking good on the other requirement, which is that they're four and one. I think they have to get to what, seven wins? Yeah, Eight just wins? seven. Yeah, seven. So, you know, they're in good shape for that one. Check mm. off check off that one. So that game was interesting, but I think probably the most interesting game actually uh, of the whole day was the Duke Notre Dame game, which we were texting about a lot at the end of the day. That was a very defensive game. I mean, it wasn't the most fun to watch. Both teams had trouble executing and finishing drives. The defenses played really well. And Notre Dame was bottled up for significant portions of the game after the first drive where they went right down the field and scored. But it really looked like Duke was going to win the game. They had Notre Dame down to a fourth and 18 and forced Sam Hartman to scramble. After blitzing multiple times and just getting pressure on the quarterback, they decided to drop nine people into coverage. And Sam Hartman makes an incredible play with his legs, dives for a first down. They get the first down. They eventually score a touchdown and take the lead. Duke ends up 
on the first play when they have a chance to try to hail mary throw it down the field riley leonard goes down with a pretty bad ankle injury it looked even worse than it turns out to be we find out today that it is just a high ankle sprain but figures to miss some significant time so just a very devastating loss for duke after the environment was great and it looked like they were finally going to get that big win to supplement their fan base and prove that they belong on the national stage but slipped away right at the end yeah i mean this would have been a pretty massive uh win for duke you know and i and i think that it's it's tough because we thought and and you alluded to those we talked about neither of these teams are teams that we find ourselves really pulling for a ton i mean i like duke football but you know it is still duke and so you when you have game day there and you watch all those duke fans it makes you less likely to pull for them i found personally when it's vague and sort of just a concept it's okay but then when you see those kids you're like ah now i don't want them to be happy yeah i mean that fourth and 16 like that's pretty brutal to to just kind of like drop back into a soft i mean it was man coverage i I assume because otherwise you would think somebody would have had eyes on hartman but look free tip for all the defensive coordinators out there that have Notre Dame on their schedule blitz hartman like he does he really as good as he is he's a very good quarterback he struggles with pressures especially when you can vary them up uh when you can come from different places different timings and things like that you know i think that he tends to get off rhythm um he gets off platform and you know you can you can make him improvise now the problem is he improvises well when he's not under a ton of pressure so when you have a three-man rush after the play before you sent i think they sent five or six the play before and put him under pressure and and notre dame was unable to make a play i didn't understand then going three-man rush soft coverage keep everything in front of you like conceptually it makes sense but i think it ignores the context of the rest of the game and it feels like mike elko is a better coach than that so i was a little perplexed by that decision Uh, it felt very much like a play not to lose kind of decision where you are allowing them to you know move the ball but you don't want to quote give up a big play well the thing is they only needed a field goal and marcus freeman said after the game that really was their plan their plan was to run the ball once they got that first down their plan was to run the ball get the clock down and get a field goal it just happened that audrey Gestime broke a big touchdown run which really should have given duke a chance but then obviously riley leonard goes down and we never even get a shot at that sort of like a last second drive there but you know notre dame covered that's all that matters to some people it mattered to me baby that was big (laughs) i do not root for notre dame but that was a one of those rare moments in betting and i picked that game for saber betrix too and man that was just that made me feel all warm and fuzzy at the end of the day. Also, all those Duke fans <laughs> got to stop doing that thing where they like put their fists together and they put the, the thumbs out like as their celebration. Oh. Like they just got to stop it's doing that, city. man. No, it's it's one of the greatest things. I that I will never agree is a bad thing. That is like a very cool like local Durham thing that I will mm-hmm. let them do. Disagree. I don't care if okay. it, it like has meaning. I don't like it. It looks sorry. It just looks weird on the bumper on the helmet. Yeah, they had that on the Duke helmets. That that I don't like. I don't mind the fans doing it, but it looks weird. It looks like a weird mustache or something on the helmet. I that doesn't work. But 
I don't I don't want all these rich New Jersey, New York people just being like, yeah, I rep Bowl City. Like, come that's on, fair. Man. That, you, yeah, you've never that's been fair. there. <laughs> anyway, any other games strike your fancy? The LSU Ole Miss game, that game was crazy. Lots of scoring, no defense. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was wild. Just kind of caught the end of that one. And, you know, it, it, it sort of serves as, I think, a larger conversation about college football football in general and and how we enjoy it you know there's been a lot of discussion among the nc state fan base about you know we lose the game 13 10 and everybody's like god our team is horrific and this is a disgrace to the sport but there's been some conversation about like well if you lose a game 55 49 people love it you're like they don't love that you lost but they're like oh that was exciting that was you know, you're not having a conversation about how LSU's defense can't stop a nosebleed. What you're <laughs> what you're talking about is that was a really exciting game. But when it's the other way around, when it's a really close game and it's a defensive battle, it's like, oh, our offense is incompetent. Fire everybody. <laughs> and I just think it is interesting because I watched that game and I'm like, look, I get it. Jackson Dart is good. Uh, Lane Kiffin's teams tend to be explosive on offense. But LSU has a very good offense as well. But also, like, Seriously, you can't get like a stop. It felt like nobody could. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I agree with you. When it's a fun game like that, everybody's like, "Wow, an instant classic!" But like, no one would be tempted to call whatever transpired in Raleigh last week as an instant classic. <laughs> that was just like burn the tape and whatever. So, like, I I fall victim to that as well. But like, yeah, totally, totally hear you. It's just stylistically more fun to watch teams that are executing offensively even if uh, you watch them combine defense can also be good they combine for 1300 yards and in one game and it's like hey this is great Ole Miss has 11 penalties for 121 yards and still wins a football game like it it was absolutely insane you know I, I think that it's wild to watch that and yeah I mean it's a we said it like we we both talked about LSU's you know they were going to have some trouble with this Ole Miss offense and and they did right I mean their offense did their job so not the championship contender I thought they were going to be I mean, there's no doubt about mm-hmm. that now yeah that uh that pick is not looking great for either of us and yeah, I definitely went on record. yeah Texas highlights a very interesting slate of games again not the most sexy overall slate but that game has just about as much sizzle as you can possibly imagine and we will get to that in a second but first let's do a quick rundown of the acc where we have some fascinating games it's always fun in the acc you never know what's going to happen and let's start with uva hosting william and mary noon on saturday on the acc network Hey, William and Mary, first loss of the season to your Elon Phoenix. How about that? That's right. That's right. Elon, you know, big uh, giant slayers in the CAA over the last several years. They really, you know, I I know nobody cares about Elon football who listens to this podcast, but that team has built some identity down there. Like the last few years, it has just been like they run the ball, defense is a juggernaut. So, I, I mean, honestly, like, the 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 blueprint is probably there for Virginia. I, I I you know like 
play defense. Well, you you can keep William and Mary low scoring. They don't have apparently, you know, evident recent evidence suggests they don't have the most explosive offense. So I like Virginia's chance to kind of get that monkey off their back and and get a win here, but it's it's not going to be easy, right? So I'm sorry that we pissed them off for you because I I think they're going to come in chomping at the bit. Yeah, they definitely looked different without Bronson Yoder, their star running back, who was just the complete bell cow for the team. And he's injured. He was injured the previous week. So without him, the offense sputtered, only scored six points. Their quarterback, Darius Wilson, only threw for 36 yards. So yeah, their defense run the ball. That's what you should expect from William and Mary. And the line is probably going to be somewhere under a touchdown. So again, I don't think anybody is taking this game for granted. If you're a UVA fan, I will take UVA just because I mentally can't process the other side of that. So (laughs) my, my advice would be to continue to throw the ball to Malik Washington, who is top 10 in the country in yards per game and catches per game and somehow still feels underutilized. So throw him the ball. I think he's good question i have for you that i'm not sure we're quite ready to have this conversation yet maybe we are the looking at the rest of the schedule you got georgia tech sitting on there normally i would say virginia tech but with a rivalry game you can't take anything for granted is this like kind of the last like real good chance at a win for virginia like if they lose this game if they manage to lose William mary which i'm not wishing on anyone i will be pulling for uva but if that were to happen, what's your do you start to hit the panic button that this could be an O for season? Sure. Yeah. Why not? I mean, this uh, Bill Connolly had a statistic out earlier today that said that UVA was the most likely team at like 9% according to his SP plus ratings at going 0 and 12. So, you know, yeah, that's certainly a major consideration. And losing this game would be the biggest shoe to drop. I do think that Virginia has a chance against Virginia Tech. I think they have a chance against Georgia Tech. The other games are probably going to be difficult for them, but you never know. The crazy things happen in the ACC all the time. But uh, yeah, those would be definitely the two. You wouldn't think that they have a great chance against UNC, Miami, Louisville, Duke, all ranked teams. So those are are the two that you have a chance at and got to win this one first. Well, I hope it doesn't happen. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't want that. You know, it'd be the. I was just checking. It'd be the first time since 1960 that Virginia would have not won a football game in a season. Let's just win this weekend. Get it. Get yeah, it over with. Take, and not worry about it. Take care of it. Love it. Uh, Saturday noon, ESPN. Boston College is going to Mikey Stadium to play Army. Boston College. Came away with a three-point victory over Virginia, a comeback victory. Virginia had a two-touchdown lead at halftime and had it wash away. But Boston College has to turn right around and play Army, another team with gold helmets, which I think would be confusing, but I've never played football before, so I don't know that. Army plays really well at home. They rank second in the country in rushing yards per game with 289, their third in time of possession second in passing yards per completion with almost 20 yards per completion. They throw the ball down the field when they do throw it. And they've only had nine penalties all year. Nine. Uh, I'm taking Army. 
That's, I'm that's definitely wild. taking Army. Definitely taking yeah, Army. Yeah, minus here. three and a half. Give me Army. Absolutely. You know, Army played a competitive game against Syracuse a couple of weeks ago. Boston College, I think, is is not dreadfully terrible, but uh, that's a ringing endorsement. But no, I I just I think here the that Boston College defense is pretty pretty bad, giving up almost 400 yards a game, and I, I think that Army's gonna gonna have their way with the Eagles and and be able to win this game, especially at home. I think at the end of the year, very few games will be as inexplicable as Boston College having a real chance to beat Florida State at home and losing yeah. because of a late penalty. Like if they don't have infinity penalties on their team, they have a very legit chance of knocking off Florida State. And that's just wild, given what I saw this past weekend against Virginia. They're just not <laughs> that good. Yeah, that's going to be real weird to look back on. Saturday at 2, the CW game, NC State, with a new quarterback. I got that one wrong. My bold take, Brennan Armstrong did not make it through the whole season, did not play well at all against Louisville in a 13-10 rock fight. So they're making the change to your boy, MJ Morris, for a game against Marshall. I think it's definitely warranted given the fact that Brennan had the lowest QBR among ACC quarterbacks last week with a 13.7. That's worse than yeah. Phil Jerkovich. That's bad. It's real bad. And yeah, in this case, CW stands for can't win with Brennan. And uh, I'm glad they made the change. It's, it happened a little later than I thought they would. I underestimated the the stubbornness of Dave Doran. And I think you know, history has told us when he realizes it's time to make a change, it takes a little bit of time after he realizes it for him to actually do it. He tries to fight. He's a fiercely loyal person. Look, I get it. They brought Brennan in and told him like, hey, this is your team. They ran with him. And I totally understand as a coach not wanting to go back on that. And they had a plan that it seemed MJ Morris and MJ Morris's family agreed to like, hey, We'll redshirt this year, maybe get a little bit of game time because you can now, you know, because you can play those four games um, and still redshirt. But we'll redshirt and still have three years to be the starter after Brennan with with a more experienced and talented skill position group around him. But I think you know, looking at what this offense has done, and you've got games with opportunities to win right there. I mean, Louisville, like you held an offense that the previous week had scored, what, 56 points against a bad BC defense, sure. But, like, an offense that had started to look pretty explosive, you held them to 13. And you got to – when you can do that at a home night game, you got to win. When you have a defense playing the way they are, you got to find a way to take advantage. But uh, this offense so far has been one of the worst offenses in the entire country. And – I think you need a spark. And look, the O-line has not been great. The running game has been borderline non-existent. So I don't know that a quarterback change totally does it. But sports are, are so mental. Sometimes a team just needs a spark. Sometimes you just need uh, a coaching staff to show like, hey, we're looking for something, right? Like we're going to do something to try to make this work. And MJ Morris is... You know, he is a spark plug. It feels like 
a perfect opportunity to do this when you have a home game against a group of five team that you're favored to beat. And then you do have a tough game against Duke the following week, but then you have a bye week. So it kind of feels like a chance for him to get his feet wet again, get some game experience before you have a bye to prepare for a Clemson game that's always incredibly important. So I like the change. You also get Dylan McMahon back uh, at center, and that's pretty big too when you have a quarterback a quarterback change happening. And look, I have nothing, no ill will towards Brennan Armstrong at all. I just, I never thought he was the answer here just because I felt like MJ Morris is perfectly capable. I've said it from the start of this, like when he transferred in, Brennan Armstrong, I think has talent. I just didn't think we needed him where I didn't think it was a good fit. And I think that Robert and I may be a little too comfortable with him and kind of things they've been successful with in the past. So I think you could see uh, some change in play calling rhythm here as well, potentially. MJ Morris presents you with a different kind of skill set. I hope they still use Brennan. To me, there's no reason he can't kind of be your Taysom Hill. Like, use him for run packages, and he's capable of making some throws. Like, absolutely go for it. Because I don't want to see MJ Morris running. He's not really a running quarterback, and that's how he got hurt last year. So if you feel like you want some quarterback run game, throw Brennan in for some RPOs, some options, and and that's fine. Some quarterback power runs, absolutely. Other than that, keep him off the field and let MJ Morris start his 2024 Heisman campaign now. You're taking State minus six and a half. I'm taking State minus 16 and a half. Okay. I think this I game's going to be pretty I, close. It might be, like maybe, but I just, to me, this is one of those where backup comes in. The fan base is so ready for MJ. So they're going to be absolutely off their rockers on saturday and this thing's gonna be crazy and i just i don't know i just feel like it's too perfect it really is i just i don't know what a great day today mj like brennan got benched for mj dylan mcmahon's gonna be back we're about to pick up this uh well sorry but we're about to pick up this three-star receiver christian zachary apologies that that's a uva decommit but it just feels like wins all around I like NC State too, but I think it'll be close. And Marshall's Marshall's legit. They're pretty good. I think they uh, will give them a game. Moving on. We'll see. Saturday, 3.30, ABC, Virginia Tech at Florida State, a rematch of the 1999 National Championship game. Florida State's favored by 25 and a half this time, but I will say, I think Virginia Tech against Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's terrible, but... I think you see a game plan that makes sense with Chiron Drones, who had the highest QBR this past uh, past weekend for in the ACC quarterbacks, held Pitt to 38 rushing yards, dominated the time of possession with 37 minutes. I don't think they're going to be able to do those things against Florida State, but like that is the blueprint for success for the Hokies. And 25 and a half just seems like a ton of points. I, like that's way too many points, but. I think they will struggle. I would I would take the Hokies plus the points, but they are going to lose. Yeah, I mean I I told you not that you, you did not disagree with this. We I so but Chiron Drones can play. This is like this has been the answer at quarterback, just like I think Calandria is the answer at UVA for some different reasons. You know, obviously like Tony Musket played well this past weekend, so I'm not He was fine. whatever. Yeah, he was fine. But we don't we don't it's about 
you're building for the future. And I'm glad that they made a similar move. And yeah, five total touchdowns. Pretty sure he, he was like ACC Offensive Player of the Week. Running game looked good for Tech. And and yeah, like Florida State is not Pitt, so it won't be that easy. But um, I think that they've done the right thing here in spite of the fact that they're going to get blown out on Saturday. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see FSU cover. I, one, one thing that I is now a theme in some of my other picks, several teams got an opportunity to use their bye week. And I do think Florida State benefits from coming off of a bye week Absolutely. Uh, into this game. Another team that might benefit is UNC playing at 3.30 as well on ESPN. They are playing Syracuse at home. And Syracuse finally had their game where they just didn't match up to a real opponent in Clemson. Clemson, it wasn't uh, dominating in terms of the stats, but they held Garrett Schrader to 15 carries and 24 yards, which is just not something that Syracuse can win with. So I think a nine-point line for the Tar Heels coming off a bye at home. Syracuse maybe questioning itself a little bit. This is one where I really like North Carolina. I do too. I just I have said it for the last several weeks. I wasn't a Syracuse believer, and we were right. Uh, you know, like that. Sometimes it is that kind of thing where it's like sort of the opposite of Kentucky, right? They were very much in the same boat where you looked at their four and zero start and said like, okay, cool, but you haven't played anybody. Well, Kentucky hadn't played anybody, and then came out and beat a ranked Florida team. Syracuse hadn't played anybody, and came out and didn't really have a chance against Clemson. Honestly, like you said, the stats weren't, uh, did not suggest a blowout, but scoreboard wise, it just wasn't close. So to me, like Syracuse is just not for real and that's okay. Like, you know, there have to be teams that just aren't that great. And and I think, unfortunately, Carolina is, you know, maybe a little better than I was giving them credit for early in the season. That defense, the run game, that's a, that's a different dynamic that they have now. Saturday at three, <laughs> I know. That's just uh yeah, you might want to lay down for a little bit. Uh Saturday <laughs> at 3:30 on the ACC network. Wake Forest is at Clemson, the team that beats Syracuse this past weekend. Uh much better performance I thought from Clemson's defense. This is a this is a tough one for Wake. Last year's game was 51-45 in double overtime. I don't think we're going to see that kind of game here. Mitch Griffiths for Wake Forest, their quarterback is completing under 60% of his passes. It's just not the same Wake team that we've seen the last couple of years with Sam Hartman as the quarterback. The over-under is only 52 and a half, and I feel like we might see just kind of a grinding 28-13 game or something like that where Clemson wins. I, I don't know if I would take Clemson minus 20, though. Like I just don't trust Clemson to beat up anybody by that many points, but I do like them to win. That line does feel a little big, but this is a Wake Forest team that lost by 14 to Georgia Tech. <laughs> and I think anybody, just about anybody, who's watched some games this year or even hasn't watched some games this year could tell you that Clemson probably at least a touchdown better than Georgia Tech. So I could see it, right? I could see Clemson cover in that three-touchdown line, especially down in Death Valley air quotes around death valley yeah i mean i i I wish this were wake forest teams of the past so that this could be like a fun 
upset pick, you know. I think like last year, like you said, that like super close, exciting game last year, but this just isn't it uh, with this current Wake Forest team. And so I do see Clemson winning by multiple touchdowns. Saturday at seven thirty, the one and a half teams of the ACC that are ranked playing each other: <laughs> Notre Dame traveling to Louisville, undefeated Louisville now in the top twenty-five. Notre Dame is favored by a touchdown. And after a big win against Duke, I don't have a ton of faith in them because of just how ugly it looked for significant portions of the game. Their defense was fine, but their offense just couldn't really move the ball. And then you have a situation on the other end where Louisville only had 20 rushing yards against NC State. So I don't trust them at all. Like, these are two, like objectively good teams or at least better than average teams and i just have no faith in either one of them so (laughs) i'm gonna take notre dame just because i feel like they're the better program and have the overall better talent but i don't know like that just feels like throwing a dart it does but i'm still not a big louisville believer having now kind of seen them really up close last week and just watching that and and like look i'm a big believer in state's defense so i don't you know criticize them too much for struggling to move the ball against the Wolfpack, but Notre Dame's defense is also pretty solid. Uh, and Notre Dame has a lot more offensive talent. And so I, I, I just, I think that this is going to be one of those games. And we said this, I said this about Duke this past week, and it wasn't totally correct, but one of those games where you're like, okay, they're good, but they're not quite that good yet. Like they're not quite at this level. And I think, you know, the result of the Notre Dame Duke game was consistent with that. But I thought Duke competed better than they than than I think I at least that I thought they would. I don't know that Louisville has that in them this week. Yeah, the the thing about Notre Dame just three of fifteen on third down conversions, twelve penalties in that game, just uncharacteristic stuff, and just not what you want to see in a big game. And I mean, Louisville will have the same atmosphere there that duke had so you want to see more composure so i I just like don't believe in notre dame as like a legit top 10 team i know they're ranked like 10th or 11th in the polls and i just don't think they're like an actual step below most of those teams that are ranked around them yeah i don't disagree with that last game of the day in the acc saturday eight o'clock acc network georgia tech at miami Georgia Tech coming off a loss, a surprising bad home loss against Bowling Green, and they decide they're going to move some people around. They demoted their defensive coordinator. They took a linebacker's coach and made him the D coordinator now, Kevin Shearer. The Bowling Green Falcons had nearly 450 yards of offense and were 10 of 17 on third down. Georgia Tech has the 129th ranked rushing defense this year and has given up 35 points in three of their five games, which is not really what you want to see when you're facing a Miami team that is good and has Tyler Van Dyke, who is one of the best quarterbacks in the country, ranked second in QBR, and they're coming off a bye week. Really, really bad spot for Georgia Tech, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this Miami offense has been kind of ridiculous this year. And when you just struggled and gave up at one point thirty eight unanswered points to Bowling Green, that can't be super exciting to look ahead to when you're like, "Hey, we just lost to Bowling Green, gave up thirty eight, uh, had to make some changes on the defensive side of the ball, 
And uh, next week, we have Miami, who's averaging over 500 yards a game and, uh, you know, has yet to score fewer than 38 points in a game. Not super encouraging if you're the Yellow Jackets. This was, uh, funnily enough, the Georgia Tech Bowling Green game was one of the games that, like, Saturday, I just kind of missed that that happened. Uh, missed that they <laughs> lost to Bowling Green, and then in doing prep for this game for and prep for this episode, kind of looked at that and was like, "Wait, hold on, <laughs> Bowling Green beat Georgia Tech? Not great, not great." It's like they brought in Josh Pastner as a guest coach. Yeah, I like <laughs> I like Miami here very comfortably. It is a big spread, but I don't think they will have much problem covering it. Yeah, lines twenty one. I think Miami covers. No worries. I mean, yeah. if you're worried about that, like tease it down a little bit, but like Sure. It is a good fine. teaser candidate. Yeah. Nope. No problems for Miami. So that's the ACC slate. And now the top twenty five games that we want to talk about. There are five on my list that I would like to chat about. Yep. First and foremost, the Red River rivalry slash shootout. That's one of those things <clears throat> that like in society you know, we're we're constantly evolving and getting better and changing our language, which I think is very good. But this is one that I still struggle with. I just always immediately go to shootout and need to need to do some work on that. Well, what's amazing about it is we're going to call it the Red River rivalry. But in during any number of football games, if it's like a high scoring game, how many times the announcer is going to refer to it as a shootout? Like mm, it's going to happen. True. So I don't know, man. I think it's fine. And we're not solving we're not solving any big issues by not calling a football game a shootout. Yeah, and Oklahoma's uh cheering section has like their they have like these guns that they fire off nonstop in the game. Texas usually brings a big cannon, so, you know, there will be some artillery and uh, yeah. gunpowder there at the game. So this is the rivalry that has the second most ranked matchups of any two teams playing each other with Michigan and Ohio State being the first. But this is the first time since 2011 where both teams were undefeated. The last time that uh, Texas was actually ranked higher than Oklahoma was 2009. It has been a minute. I kind of feel like Oklahoma has gone under the radar this year, and it's just been like pasting people. Their defense has been a lot better than they have been. Like Brent Venables has done a really good job in year two of making the defense significantly better. Dylan Gabriel has been really, really good. 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. Last year's game was 49-0 for Texas, and I think this year's game is going to absolutely be more competitive and be one of the best games of the day. But I just think Texas has the track record of playing better teams so far this year, beating Alabama, beating Kansas significantly this past weekend. And I think that they will cover maybe by a late touchdown. Yeah, I mean, I, you obviously I'm a big Texas believer, and. Oklahoma is a lot better this year than they were last year. Dynamic offense. Dylan Gabriel has been pretty amazing. Uh, somebody who probably isn't in enough Heisman conversations, and and he should be. You know, I'm not sure that he's quite going to beat out some of the the best of the best there, but he's had a really great season. And and you could make the argument for Texas that they haven't. I mean, they obviously they beat Alabama. But other than that, the schedule hasn't been crazy difficult. You know, Kansas, they just had without Jalen Daniels at quarterback. So a little bit of, a, of an advantage there. But 
all that being said, like it's hard for me to doubt a team that has not had a one score game yet. Right. I mean, like they have, and that includes that win against Alabama. And I mean, Oklahoma has been, you know, blowing teams out as well, but you know, not by quite as much. And, you know, Iowa state notwithstanding, but had a competitive game against Cincinnati two weeks ago. Um, SMU hung around for a little bit early with them. And this is a weird one. I, I just think, you know, Texas favored by a touchdown, basically the ESPN analytics predictor. And I don't, I don't know what the record is of that. I never really pay that much attention to it, but I did notice it favors Oklahoma, you know, looking at, you know, Bill Connolly, he's got this as a two point Texas win. I expect a competitive game. You know, like I said earlier, rivalry games, you kind of throw stuff out the window and it just sometimes gets weird. And I'm kind of expecting that here. I think it's going to be a really good game, but um, I think Texas has more top line talent on both sides of the ball right now. And I think I'm not going to back down from my uh, assessment of this Texas football team. I think they do win. I think, do I like them to cover? That's tough. I'm not sure that I got to think about that one before I start laying money on it. This might get thrown into a teaser with Miami and Florida State, but I I do like Texas to win the game. It's definitely the line keeps moving. When I when I did some research this morning, the line was at five for Texas. It's now up to seven. So it is a lot of a lot of money going into Texas. A lot of conventional wisdom is that Texas is going to be good and win this game because I think they've been in more high profile games this year. Just honestly, yeah. Oklahoma has yet to play that big uh, difficult team. Cincinnati is probably the most difficult team they've played so far. Uh, maybe Iowa State. So, yeah, should be a fun game. I do think it will be pretty close, though. Saturday, also at noon, this one on Fox, we have undefeated Maryland, gross, taking on Ohio I think I heard State. I you right. throw up a little bit when you said it's, that. It's really, really tough. I mean, you know, we have enough problems in this country and in the world without Maryland being undefeated <laughs> at anything. I think we could, like, I'm in a position now where I have to root for Ohio State this weekend. That's how bad things are getting. But yeah, Ohio State favored by 17 and a half. This is a place where I do like Ohio State to win. 17 and a half is a lot, but I do think that they will cover. And it's mostly because of the fact that, again, Ohio State had opportunity, extra week of prep time. Maryland had to play Indiana this past week. Since Ryan Day took over at Ohio State in 2019, the Buckeyes are 6-0 and in regular season games where they had two weeks of prep. All but one of those games haven't been competitive. The average margin of victory is 41 points. Ohio State hasn't lost coming off a bye week since 2005. So I really think those are important things. They don't get enough credit in the college game where it really does matter. So I think this will finally be the week where Maryland gets the L. Yeah, I don't like Maryland going into the shoe and upsetting an Ohio State team coming off of a bye. Like, all the ingredients are there for this to not work for Maryland. And I feel like I'm seeing it. The line doesn't stink. Like, I don't think it's one of those. But it's I'm seeing so many conversations around like oh maryland's gonna surprise y'all and this maryland team no out of here this is ridiculous this maryland team is not that good they haven't played anybody 
They struggled. We had them on the ropes. We had them Charlotte on the ropes, in the, on the ropes in the first and Charlotte didn't hang on as long, but Charlotte was close in the first half. You guys had them going into the fourth quarter. They got Michigan State in the middle of controversy and coach being fired, and then they played Indiana, and and that doesn't count. And, and like now they beat Indiana by more than than Ohio State did, and I think there are people out there who will do that whole common opponent thing and say, well, that's indication that Maryland's ready to compete with Ohio State. No, it's also, you have to understand, Ohio State played Indiana week one with a new starting quarterback with with a lot of turnover in terms of talent in key positions. But it really, even if we just don't leave the quarterback position, a new starting quarterback in college football, especially in a conference like the Big Ten, that's huge. Maryland got Indiana as game five of the season with a starting quarterback that already has starting experience. So like, you know, obviously it's going to be a little more comfortable for them. I'm not saying Maryland is bad. Like that. I don't want that to come across as like, Oh, I think this team is, you know, a bad five and O team. You know, I, I, I really don't. I think that's actually probably Louisville, but Ohio state is just in a different class. And I understand They've struggled a little bit. They don't look as dominant. I don't even want to say struggled. They just don't look as dominant as I think people have just come to expect them to be. But post-bye week, going into this part of the season, feels like when they're going to hit their stride. And I'm sorry, does Marvin Harrison Jr. not still play for them? Does Travion Henderson not still play for them? I I just, (laughs) I'm not going with Tua's little brother over that team and and like save the clip if they upset you can we can play it back and you know talk about how we're idiots for not seeing it coming but to me this game is not going to be close i've got it at 19 and a half what did you say you saw it up 17 and a half earlier today it might have moved so i i like the buckeyes to cover this is a three touchdown win i i just i think they come out and punch them in the face and it's just never close we're wrong on this one. I'm I'm happy to admit my mistakes, but I'm not pulling the clip on this one. I'm not saying something nice about Maryland. We're just not doing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, we'll just we'll just very quickly say we were wrong and move on. <laughs> Ohio State disappointed. Next topic. Also at noon, a lot of noon games have been good this well, year. Afternoon delight. It's it's weird. LSU going to Missouri. Both teams are ranked. Missouri undefeated and a lot of the models that I've looked at, you mentioned Bill Connolly earlier. He has this as a slight victory for Missouri, but uh, I kind of feel like it's fool's gold with them. Like all of their wins, for the most part, except for this past weekend against Vanderbilt, have been close. It was a four point win against Middle Tennessee, three point win against Kansas State, where they needed a 60 something yard field goal, touchdown victory against Memphis. I don't know. I, I'm going to take. Jalen Daniels, who's mad and coming off of a performance where he threw for 414 yards and four touchdowns. I just think LSU is going to get right with this game, even though they're favored by six and a half on the road. Give me the Tigers. I was going to say, can I just say Tigers are going to win and move on? Because, aha. Yeah. Um, sorry, that was so dumb. Leaving I... it in. <laughs> Mizzou is is in that category of five and O teams that I'm not a big believer in. Still, you know, I know they had that win against Kansas State, and, and that's kind of the thing they have to hang their hat on currently. And I get it; that Kansas State team is a good team, 
and that was a good win that came down to a, an impossibly long field goal. It's not as though they like dominated the game, controlled the game. You know, they stayed in it and then gave themselves a chance to win. And I'm not downplaying that. I'm just saying, like, let's not act like this is the same. Like having that win against a ranked team is the same as like Kentucky, who's now five and zero, but has a dominant win over a ranked SEC team. You know, other than that, you know, Mizzou has a four point win over Middle Tennessee State, uh, a touchdown win over Memphis. And beating Vanderbilt, I, I I guess like I'm struggling to see the hype. I'm struggling to see why we think that this is a game that Missouri can can win. I I understand it being competitive because it's there, um, and LSU has looked disappointing, and it just feels like the perfect 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 opportunity to ride LSU here that they're going to bounce back. This feels like a bounce back game for Jaden Daniels for that LSU defense, and, and I just. I, it feels like it's going to be a rough day for Brady Cook, Missouri quarterback. They're going to be coming after him. That defense is going to be all sorts of fired up. Uh, give me LSU here. So we agree on that one. Love it. Saturday, 3.30 on CBS. Ooh, a zesty game. Number 11, Alabama traveling to Texas A&M. The 12th man, Kyle Field. The cheerleaders. What are they called? The cheer squad. Yell leaders. Yell leaders. That's what I was looking for. Uh, this was a 24-20 game last year, even when Texas A&M wasn't particularly good. So I feel like Jimbo is basically getting up for these kind of games. And this is a sneaky, important game for his career. There's still a lot of fans, even with the win over Arkansas, and looks like they're better. That that Miami loss, I think, shook a lot of confidence from people who, you know, doing a lot of contract law to figure out what they can get out of, of his <laughs> ridiculous contract. I've gone back and forth on this because I do think Texas A&M at home is has the potential to win this game, and Alabama hasn't been quite as good as they have been in recent years. They're two and a half point favorites here, but I think Jalen Milrow has played pretty well, and the fact that Texas A&M is playing with their backup Max Johnson coming in for Connor Weigman, I just I feel like that is enough in a what will be a very very competitive game. I think Alabama manages to pull this one out. Yeah, it feels like with the Alabama offense, they've kind of found something with this quarterback that, oh wait, was their starting quarterback from the start, and they made that weird shuffle, and now it's like, oh, our offense actually has a rhythm with the guy that we originally went with. You know, sometimes you just have to trust yourself as a coach and be like, hey, we went through a whole offseason. There's a reason that we started this guy, and maybe it was just a wake-up call. I I, I don't know. I'm not going to say that I'm smarter than Nick Saban I'm just it seemed weird when clearly this is the best the offense looks with him playing so yeah I mean I understand why this feels like a sneaky opportunity for Texas A&M I think that uh, it's going to be a lot closer than some people think it is I know the line is close it's two and a half is what I have it at but you know it feels like general public kind of the the Twitter discourse, the whatever, is kind of like, ah, whatever. Texas A&M, they lost to Miami. That you know, They're not that good. This is not going to... I think this is going to be a really tough game for Alabama. And I'm tempted to bet Texas A&M. I just... You've rubbed off on me. And, and for whatever reason now, I like... I really don't want to pull for them. So, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just finding myself thinking about, like, spending Saturday afternoon pulling for Texas A&M. And I don't really want to do that. 
So and Jimbo Fisher is, I don't know. He kind of makes me feel weird in a, in a bad way. So yeah, I like Alabama here, but I do think that line, I think this probably is like a field goal game. It's, you know, it's an underrated thing in betting. You know, just because you think something's going to happen doesn't mean you have to bet it. Like, I think oh, I, betting should like, be I don't enjoyable. bet on Carolina to win because I don't want to yeah. find myself sitting there like, oh, heels, f- me. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, didn't know this, but apparently this is uh, Texas A&M's first year that they've started SEC play at 2-0 and under Jimbo. So I can Hang see why fans are a little bit, uh, a little bit anxious and hoping sure. that they could finally break through. Uh, last game of the day to talk about, Saturday at 7 p.m., another SEC game, this one on ESPN. Ranked Kentucky, having just mauled Florida, number 20 in the country, travels now to Georgia, coming off of a very tight game against Auburn, which they managed to pull out late. It is a 14.5-point line for the Bulldogs. Kentucky impressed me a lot in the Florida game. They hadn't really played anybody in the first few games, but held Florida to 69 yards on 29 carries. Georgia, on the other hand, is really good at running. They've rushed for 863 yards in the last four games against Kentucky, averaging 215.7 yards per game against them. But uh, Kentucky's number two in the SEC in rush defense. So... I don't know. It's kind of a strength versus strength thing here. I don't think that uh, Ramon Davis is likely to replicate his 280 yards of rushing and three touchdowns against Georgia's defense. But I kind of think that Kentucky can hang around. Maybe that's just like crazy talk. But I, as good as Georgia is, and they will probably end up being undefeated through the regular season, they just seem on the eye test to be a step below what they've been in the last couple of years. And Kentucky, I think, can hang around. Georgia struggled with South Carolina, struggled with Auburn. And I think that you and I would both agree that Kentucky's better than both of those two teams. Yeah, I think so. And I'm not big on like, I don't know. I don't love doing the like transitive property thing or like, but it does feel right. Like this could be an indication that there's some vulnerability here. And this Kentucky team has a, extremely hard-nosed defense they run the ball well and and look having seen him play a lot of football if they have to throw the ball Devin Leary is capable of having a big game he really is Kentucky has had strong O-line play for the last several years they emphasize it in their roster construction that's how they've gotten to where they are in these last couple years where they've kind of been you know right here on the doorstep of being a really good team I am incredibly tempted to pick Kentucky straight up. I I have this, I know, I have this feeling that this could be this week's big upset. But that being said, I think from a, from like an actual betting perspective and, and putting real dollars on a game in a game where I feel like pretty confident in it and, and and feel this weird feeling there's going to be an upset when I'm getting two touchdowns as well, I'm going to take the points. I love Kentucky plus two touchdowns. That's crazy to me. I I just, I'm having a hard time imagining this game being that out of hand. You know, I can easily see it getting out of hand based on just like the history of these kind of things. Like Georgia just seems like it's one of those things where like upstart teams who are playing really well and you're like, well, maybe they'll give them a challenge. And then Georgia just like shoots them down. Like we've seen that so many times. 
So yeah, that and, and that I'd is feel like better about it. in my mind. I'd feel better about it if it were in Lexington. That being said, like we've seen over the years, maybe not in the last couple of years, obviously, because Georgia doesn't lose in the regular season anymore. But in past years, when Georgia has been really good, we have seen them drop games in Athens at big times. You know, South Carolina went down there and beat them. Um, that was probably like a decade ago. But still, like it's it's not inconceivable, right, that this could happen. And I like Kentucky to cover. I I, I went back and forth on this all day. Uh, there were times throughout the day where I was like, I'm going to go on this episode and say Kentucky's winning straight up. Bet the house on it. But I'm I'm backing down a little bit and just saying take the points. That if you can get it at the, the 14 and a half, especially take that for sure. Yeah, should be an interesting game. Excited to watch that one. Several other games that are kind of intriguing that are on the docket for this weekend. Washington State taking their undefeated record on the road to UCLA. UCLA's favored in that game by three and a half, which is... This is my what the hell line of the day. Yeah, it's pretty stinky, huh? But are you going to run to it? Are you going to bet UCLA and their half a dozen quarterbacks? This is this is <laughs> this one's insane to me. Like I love it. I I just it makes no sense to me. I mean, I understand like Washington State has a pretty porous defense, but they also have a ridiculous offense. They've beaten Wisconsin, they've beaten Oregon State. Like UCLA last time we saw them, they were struggling to move the ball against Utah, lost a 14 to 7 game. Other than that, Let's check the schedule. They've beaten North Carolina Central, San Diego State, and Coastal Carolina. Why do we think UCLA is any good? Not a lot of reasons, huh? No, there's not like a lot of reasons. None. Almost none. Go Cougs. I was about to do nah, a man, this is... noise, but I, I, I don't think I can. We need a soundboard of that. Just play we that do. whenever. Yeah, just mascot noises. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that game's that game definitely jumped out at me. Uh, another game that's like kind of sneaky, interesting that most fans won't care about, but I do. Fresno State ranked twenty fourth in the country. Again, stop scheduling games. I don't care if they're in your conference. Stop scheduling games at Wyoming. <laughs> Wyoming is just like a death knell for any team that is any good. Don't play in Laramie. Find a way out of it. Say say that you have a concert or you know, a wedding or something to go to. Don't play the game, Fresno State. <laughs> I like the idea of just, it's on your conference schedule, but you're just like, no, nah, we're not doing that. That's basically um, what Notre Dame does with like, uh, we're going to play five games. <laughs> no, we don't really want to play Florida State this year. That's fine. We're good. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I mean, Fresno State feels a little bit like fool's gold as well. I'm a little, I guess I don't totally understand how they're ranked. I mean, I I, I know they're undefeated, but there are other undefeated teams in the country and the best team they've beaten is probably Purdue or Eastern Washington. So this is the 24th best team in the country, we think. So to your point, I I like Wyoming here. I don't know. This seems tailor-made night game in Laramie at war Memorial stadium, which just sounds like, you know, I mean, come on, this Wyoming team is going to win. This is this is a straight up give me the Cowboys money line. I might lay several units on this. This will be a big mm-hmm. one for me. Let's see if Josh Allen has any more eligibility. Maybe he can stop by and play. 
Uh, I, like it. I think we're going to, well, I was just going to say, I think like out West at night, we're going to see some upsets. So my favorite, one of my favorite upset picks of the week is in some PAC 12 after dark action. I like Cal against Oregon state. It just mm. feels like a weird, one of those weird PAC 12 games. And I really like this Oregon state team. I, I've been a fan of them throughout the season. Several of the last few weeks, I've talked about the fact that they're, you know, a pretty damn good team. I don't know, man. There's just something about this that feels like it's going to get weird. And I like it for sure with the points, nine and a half. I don't know. It just feels like a game that could be really close. And uh, yeah, I don't know. That game just kind of sticks out to me as like a, hmm, hold on. I might, I might stay up and watch that. It feels like one of those that we'll be texting about it like midnight. Like, oh, this is crazy. What's happening? That's what I love about college football. See, you got to find... This is UVA fans like no things are bad right now, but this you guys you just got to find the joy and the absurdity of it all because somebody's losing this weekend. Somebody big is going to lose this weekend and we're going to come on the show next week and be like, uh, what? What was that? Georgia. Exactly. Hopefully Georgia. Georgia. Hopefully also Maryland, even though that's not an upset. I just want them to lose. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. With I hope them. they lose like 70 to nothing. It'd be so great. <laughs> that, that's that's why i get out of bed every morning you never know if maryland's gonna lose 70 to nothing it might be the day today i love it 